Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Live from Estopan All In. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to another episode of the Vamos Marauders podcast. I'm Benton, joined by Zach, and we have a very special guest today. We were managed, we are able to manage to secure uh, Coach Danny Cruz to join and chat with us. Uh, took a lot yeah, of bribing. The, yeah, it took a lot of bribing in the front office, but I'm glad we were able to get it done. Danny, how you doing? Very good. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate everything you did this year. It was pretty amazing to see. So it's been Thank a you for the work you do. Yeah, it's been a been a lot of fun. Been a been a big fan of your work, and I'm glad that you uh, you got the full time uh, gig. But um, well, first off, how are you? How are you doing? Did you get any time off after the season ended? <laughs> no, you know it's um, you know as I'm sure you could see after the game, it's uh, you know difficult result and and tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it. Especially the way that it happened. Um, but, you know, I have I'm the person of, you know, it's my character to get right back on it and and try to see where we can improve and started doing that right away. No real time to to dwell on it other than obviously need to reflect, learn, make sure that we progress. Um, but no, not not any time off yet. <laughs> Forgot we got to book you some vacation time or something. Get you some help. I know we do, we do appreciate all your hard work, though. It does not go unnoticed. That. So we got a, we got a handful of questions for you, but as we said before, we're going to be really respectful of your time. We just, we have a lot of, we're very curious people. We got a lot of questions for you. Um, a lot of stuff happened this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's quite a busy yeah. year. Um, I guess we'll just first on start off and kind of get an idea of uh, what was your, um, how'd you feel about the overall performance of the season? Like holistically? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's certainly, there was a lot of growth throughout the year. Um, a lot of give and take with regard to the players kind of learning how I wanted to manage and, and going through, you know, that process. Um, you know, we are, we're certainly uh, trying to shift uh, directions to be a little bit more data driven. Um, it's an area that's important to, to the club, obviously, especially with, um, you know, player identification when you look at building the roster um, you know, and, and when we have these meetings and you go through the data, um, obviously we were, we did really well, both from the defensive side of the ball <laughs> and the attacking side of the ball. Um, you know, I think you might know better than me, but I, I'm almost positive. We finished, uh, at the top with regard to, um, expected goals against, we were probably second or third and expected goals for, um, and, you know, while, well, sometimes those bounces didn't go our way. We certainly conceded more goals than we would have liked. Um, you know, there are there are things to be proud of. You know, I think to fall short 10, 15 seconds um, from lifting a trophy is, is something that'll stick with me for a very, very long time. Um, but at the same time, it's going to motivate me to make sure uh, um, I grow and get better in the areas I know I need to, and um, you know, and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think we spent... 
I was looking at my charts. I think most of the season, the team was first in expected goal differential. So definitely on the data side of the th- things, the team did very well this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and listen, it's just a tool, right? We, we don't, uh, we don't look at it as the be all end all. Ultimately uh, those numbers are not, uh, you know, what wins a championship, right? But it is a good guide of, okay, where are areas we can improve? Um, you know, how are we doing, using your word, holistically, right? Is it, uh, is this something, you know, that that we need to be down on? Is it something that, you know, we, we are playing well, but the ball's not going the way that we want? If we keep going, uh, statistically, you know, things will turn a corner, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it's a tool and we use it and it's important. Um, but I think it's pretty clear the areas that we did, uh, struggle on the year uh, and where, you know, while I can tell you that for sure those those ideas were hammered home uh, quite a bit at the end of the day, uh, the responsibility lands on me as it should, you know. Something something that really stuck out to me this season was uh, the team did really well overall, but there was a, a pretty big home versus away split this year. Like, the team did incredibly good at home and uh, and and not quite as well on the road. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, preparing for next season? You know, what what are some things you try to focus on to try to improve play away? Um, yeah, I think it's a fair question. Uh, I think that that you you see that happen. Uh, you know, quite a bit in in every league around the world, right? The the home field advantage is real, especially here at Lynn Family. Um, the other piece of it, I would say, is is uh, I think what was it? I think 11 or 12 out of our last 14 were on the road. A lot yeah, of we had a big stretch late. A lot of those were three games in a week. Not a lot. Some of them, I should say. Um, and all those are all variables that are, that are that are really important for me to reflect back on. And what I mean by that is that's not an excuse. It's OK. Uh, could I have rotated the, the roster a little bit more with fresher legs or could I? Um, you know, did I did I implement the right tactics on the road? I think I can think of uh, Memphis in Memphis. Uh, I certainly made a mistake there with regard to my shape, but I did it with good intentions, obviously, meaning we saw some things that we could we thought we could exploit. Uh, that game obviously didn't end the way that we wanted. Um, you know, so there are there are a lot of factors, I think. Um, and we we certainly. Uh, understand that if we want to finish where we want to finish with regard to the regular season and play that game at home and not in Tampa, these are areas that we know we, we need to need to improve. Yeah. I like to think that not only the pitch size is a differentiator at a uh, Lynn family stadium, but also the, uh, the crowd support as well. Listen, I think we bring the numbers. I, I think that can't, you know, uh, <laughs> it's easy to look at, but when we, when you go to Tulsa, when you go to Oklahoma City, when you go to uh, Indy with regard to the turf and things like that, those are all variables that we have to deal with for sure. Um, and there's there's areas where I think I can be a little bit better with regard to preparation. You're not going to go to Oklahoma City on a on a on a postage stamp, uh, meaning such a small field, mm-hmm. and try to play exactly you know, the exact style of play that I want to play week in and week out. And I think that I, I certainly have to take responsibility for that. And I've learned some of those lessons on the road. At the same time, I want to continue for this place here at Lynn to be a fortress. I want to continue because if we, if we do that, 
uh, more often than not, um, you know, when we're on the road, we'll pick up those points needed in order to finish at the top and not be playing any playoff games uh, on the road. That's the dream. <laughs> um, now, as you pointed to before, I mean, the team was very solid defensively. However, it came pretty uh, apparent at a certain point that goals late in halves for, for, for some reason became problematic. Can you, can you talk to that a little bit or about like different things you might have tried to, to, to remedy that situation? So you can, you can, any, anything that you can think of, I certainly uh, work on this year with regard to those issues. No, but listen, as the season got towards the, you know, I would say the last, I don't know, three, maybe last couple regular season games and certainly playoffs, um, we, we got clearly, you know, better at it. Um, and we worked all year, not all year, I'm sorry. Once you realize that, that the issue has been identified and it's happening way too often, right? You're starting to focus a little bit more on it. Um, made it clear in video, certainly worked through those situational uh, plays in on the training ground. Um, you know, you, you saw us go into different shape towards the latter end of games in a 5-4-1. I was happy with that. Um, obviously, I would say, that, like I said, the last couple of weeks of the regular season, which is something we worked on, obviously in the playoffs, um, we did it in the first three games, I think almost every game. Um, and, you know, it was a shape that I thought we did a really good job of defending the box uh, and, and not allowing the opponents to, to penetrate. Um, but certainly, you know, come Tampa, it, it, they had a lot of big bodies and, and it ended up, you know, not working out too well for us. But these are these are areas that I know that uh, I'm going to put a focus on going into next year and and certainly make sure that that's buttoned up. You've you've talked a bit about learning and stuff. And I kind of pivot over to your transition to the head coaching role. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you were at the helm for, for the entirety of the year. Kind of. I mean, how, how was that move from from being assistant coach to your first time head coaching position? I think, uh, you know, it was it was really good, to be honest with you. I had a good relationship. I have a good relationship with my players. Um, I have since I've been here. Uh, I think there's a real uh, trust there, which I you know, that's that's the most important thing, um, you know, and I have felt nothing but support from them from day one. And I think they felt the same um, from me. Uh, it's been it's been really good from from every phase, to be honest with you. And And I've been. Like I said, I've been really proud of the growth of the team. I think that's that's important when you when I look at how I've managed the group this year, um, you know. And while you know we certainly fell short of our ultimate goal, there is still a lot to to be proud of, a lot to reflect on on where we can be better, uh, myself included. Um, but it was a good transition, to be honest with you, and and it was mostly because of the group in that locker room. You know, they they're a professional group that understands what it takes to win, that understands what it takes uh, to win a trophy. And um, I, I know you've probably heard me say it in the press multiple times, but uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I get to work with a group like that every day. Um, moving into your first offseason as head coach, I mean, it was such a sudden change this season. You know, I, I guess talk a little bit at. What's what's the big difference um, between you know last season being assistant coach in the off season and this season for first off season as head coach? You know, what sort of what responsibilities did you have before 
and and you know what what are things like now uh, for the first time yeah i would say they're very similar not much has changed uh, obviously with regard to identify uh, identifying players um making decisions on players you know even going into to this year and my role last year was still heavily involved in in player signings and the negotiation of contracts um so to be honest with you not much has changed uh from that standpoint um, we do have a kind of a holistic process uh, this year, you know, as I alluded to before, where we're, we're using data as a tool, um, you know, with Austin, uh, who works uh, here in the back office. Obviously, James and I are working every day with one another uh, as we look to, to try to build this thing and make sure we're bringing in the right pieces. Um, it's been fluid, certainly. Uh, it's a big reason I'm still here uh, at 8.45 at night. Um, but it's been a good process. I'm, I'm confident that we're going to be able to bring in players that uh, are going to represent the badge well, the, that we're going to bring in players um, that uh, our fans are certainly going to fall in love with, um, but most importantly, bring in players that, uh, that uh, will learn and understand what it takes and what it means to be a part of this club. Um, you know, it is a privilege, right? It's, uh, and, and that's something that I want uh, every one of the every one of our players to understand, which the ones that are returning certainly do, and then anybody coming in understand what it means to to wear this badge. Um, we're not just any club, right? And for me, we're the biggest club in the league. And I understand the last two years we've you know we've fallen short of our goals, um, but that doesn't change the investment uh, that our ownership group has put in the the investment, both fiscally, emotionally, um, that our fans have put in, uh, certainly that our players have put in year after year, um, you know, that doesn't change, right? Uh, it's these players need to understand what they're coming into. And I can promise you that when we go through these Zoom meetings with players and, and we're, we're very thorough in that process, um, that they certainly leave those interviews understanding where we're coming from and what it, what it means. Now, I, I do have a couple of questions on the transfer scouting piece, but before we jump, move over to that, I did want to ask about the, uh, the playing standard your first season. Was that, was that more of a product of what you guys had worked in in the preseason and planned for and kind of just a natural continuation of that? Or is that reflective of how you would ideally like to, to play and line up? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I, um, I think it's no secret, and I think you've you've written about it before. I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of playing three in the back, um, but you also need time to work through those. You need time to work through the details of that, right? And you need to you need time to be able to implement that. Um, it's certainly something that we will look to do uh, in this preseason. With that being said, um, I I also uh, certainly uh, like the four three three that we play in. Um, our players have a clear understanding of the different presses that I want to implement, a clear understanding of our block to press, uh, and a clear understanding of our, our, uh, our deep defensive shape. And so it's being a little bit more, I know I've used the word already, but fluid and having the freedom and ability to change the system um, however I see fit with regard to the upcoming opponent. Uh, and it, it ultimately falls back on the principles and how uh, I want to play. So you know, we'll look at both of those systems uh, in the preseason um, and make sure that, that the players are prepared uh, to, to go into either one of those in any moment. So as far as um, scouting and looking for players go, like, 
where exactly like are you are you looking and investigating for players i mean obviously free agents within the championship is 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 certainly one area but are you looking at areas like league one or, or players that might be playing some other sort of smaller league or setup just really curious about like how yeah. how far out you go when i tell you all over the world that is not an exaggeration so i i league one championship uh finland norway uh in Af- in different countries in africa uh all over the world um europe um for me, it, it doesn't matter to me where the, the player comes from uh, whatsoever. It's does that player fit the player profile that we're looking for in each position. And that's partly where the, the data comes into play. So they have yeah. my, Austin has my model, has the player profile of what I'm looking for and players get presented to me based off of that player profile. Um, and like I said, it's a thorough process. And just because we identify a player, there's so much more that goes into it from their Benton where yeah. there's interviews, there's calls to people that we trust that have had the player in. Is it a player that we want to sign or a player that we want to bring in to look at all these things. And that's why when I say it's fluid, it's constantly moving, um, you know, all day, every day, uh, right before we hopped on this, I was on a call, you know, it, it's, it is, is constant, especially, you know, when you're trying to talk to an agent in Australia, I can promise you that time difference gets, it gets really difficult. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but honestly, it's, it's all over. I wouldn't, I can't tell you one spot because there isn't one um, place, place that I, that I'm like, Hey, we need to go there. And that's where yeah. we need to find the player it can be yeah. South America anywhere. Yeah, I don't know if this is the norm or not, but just the fact that we don't have some big scouting department like some of these like mega clubs and the, the fact that it's still like happening all over is just wildly impressive. And quite frankly, it's caught me off guard. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's I can I can tell you when I, and I go back to and I say it because it is true with regard to investment. And and, you know, that comes from obviously our owners through Brad, through James to where um, they understand the importance of it. Uh, and I think the more that that we move this direction um, where there is a, a, a very um, intricate process to getting to the final result, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying that process at the moment. It's difficult because there's a million teams in the world and everybody wants everybody and you're competing <laughs> with different teams and agents trying to drive up the prices and all those things. But uh, ultimately you end up getting the player that you want, that you believe will fit. Uh, and I think that's, that's, what's most important. Very good. Um, so I want to kind of ask about some, um, some of the players that haven't been confirmed. Obviously we got guys like, uh, West Sharpie, Tyler Gibson, Jimmy McLaughlin, George Davis, Parker, Paulo DePiccolo, Jorge, all kind of up in there, able to kind of speak to their statuses in, in, in any regards. I imagine there's probably some level of desire for the club to have them back. It's just, you know, getting pen to paper. Yeah, I'm not going to go into detail on the each individual. What I will say is there's numerous names in there that you've said that will be back. Um, and we're, we're confident in that. I think I said that in the press the other day. Hopefully you guys hear something here soon with regard to some of them. Um, if I went, went off and said everything, Lindner would probably kill me. So, um, <laughs> I don't want to get you in but, trouble. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the players that, um, that 
you know, we want uh, to be back. We're confident that we're, we're going to get back. And I think that's important, important pieces for multiple reasons, not just on the field, but the locker room and, and off the field and making sure that these players that do come in again, they're coming into a locker room that um, it knows what this culture is that understands what it takes. And that's a big piece when you start trying to, to make sure you're bringing in pieces to build the team that, you have that in that locker room. And I'm confident, uh, especially with the group that we are bringing back, um, that we have a good base, a good core. Uh, we're going to try to bring in some some uh, firepower all over the field um, to, you know, to accommodate them. Speaking of that, as some of the players that we know are going, um, I thought it's it was just incredible to get to watch Jogo grow this season. And uh He's he's off training with uh, Team USA right now. Can you speak a little bit to to what it's like to to see up close a player like him and his growth and get to see a Louisville City player that playing for the national team? Yeah, it's it's um, it's really special uh, for a lot of a lot of reasons. Listen, a lot of people won't understand kind of the work um, that was put in in order to 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 just get him here in the first place. Right, that was not like a Hey, phone call with an agent. Hey, let's get a deal done. The next day he's here. No, that was a lengthy, lengthy process. Um, interviews with parents, interviews with the kid, uh, negotiating, all those things, right? And um, to see, to think back to then and then where he is now, what I can tell you is he's absolutely where we believed he would be at this point. Zero, zero doubt about it. That is the truth. Uh, and it doesn't always work out like that, right? I'd be lying if I said, but he is where we believed he would be. Um, he's a special player that I, I think I've said this before, the sky's the limit. You know, I've had good discussions with um, Greg Berhalter about him before, uh, you know, he went in there. Um, listen, the the reason I believe he's going to continue to go up um, is because of his character, his mentality, and his work rate every single day. You know, this kid um, puts in the work every day that needs to be put in in order to improve, whether that's on the field, whether that's in the video room, whether that's knocking on my door, going through individual footage weekly. Um, he's a kid that I, I have a, a, you know, I, I will be following for the rest of his career. Um, because he's a special kid. And I think that the two of us worked really well with one another this year. And, and I, I can't say enough about him because I'm really proud of the young man that he's become. And that's a testament also to, to the guys in that locker room, um, but also um, the player that he's become. Also a testament to the guys in that locker room. Um, but he's, uh, he's special. You are right. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, at Sociedad. It's, Actually, it's, hopefully against, what is it, Bosnia they're playing, right? Hopefully yeah. it's in, in a week against Bosnia. Fingers crossed. It's yeah. it's one thing for him to have the skill set. It's another for him to have that that maturity, that attitude, all those all those things you don't necessarily see on the pitch. And in my very, very brief interactions with him, like consummate professional, like I tell you, I don't think I was that put together at his young of an age. And it's just very impressive. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot. Listen, the other thing that can't go unsaid about him is, there were two, two clear areas that we identified with him throughout the year that needed to be better, right? It's easy when you hear all the noise and he sees all the noise, especially at his age. But remember, he's been through a lot this year, right? Mexico, mm -hmm. the U.S., 
uh, sociedad, all these things, right? A change of coach, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you, when you, th- there was two key areas on the field that we talked to him about that he need it needed to get better, um, especially as he goes uh, to Spain. And this, this is part of the things we talked about was number one, uh, his balance when we have the ball, meaning if um, Oscar is down the right hand side and looking to whip a ball in, you can't be in the box or close to the bot, you have to be the balance for us on the opposite side of the field so that when the ball pops out, we're not getting countered the other way, right? In transition. That was the first area. The second area was um, his box defending on the back post. Those two were two clear areas on the field that we felt throughout the year he needed to improve on. And he did, and he did it even with all the noise. He did it even with uh, a, let's just say the confidence that he has in himself as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are reasons that for me, I feel really confident that he's, uh, he's going to succeed. Now, ultimately it's up to him, but if he keeps that mentality and demeanor, um, he can have a bright, bright future. Yeah. I thought, especially near the end of the season on that really good defensive run we had going into the playoffs, he was really smart with his balance on yeah. defense. We, we did a very good job of not getting caught on counters through that, that spell. You just quoted me to him throughout the playoff run, just so you know. <laughs> so. So um, I've, I've not been shy about my, uh, my love and my belief of the Academy system. Can you talk to, to uh, about that at all? Are there any you know, prospects on your radar that might be close to making the leap? Just general thoughts about how it's progressed in its very short tenure. I love it. I love everything about it. Um, I'm a firm believer in youth development. I'm a firm believer in the job that Mario and Luke are doing uh, with the academy. Um, you got to remember that I think it was maybe two and a half years ago, maybe. Don't quote me on that, that Mario started this thing where it was just a group of young players in the community that would come out and train uh, and learn from them. And I've seen those boys develop. Some of them you've seen sign a first team deal already. Um, you know, I think that I showed this year um, that I don't care about a player's age. Um, not, not at all. It's, is the player ready and has he proven it in training every single day? That's how Josh found himself on the field. Um, you know, that's how Carlos, you know, there was a few injuries, but that's how Carlos found himself making an appearance. Um, these are, I, I firmly believe in what we're doing with regard to the Academy. Um, there are certainly prospects coming up. You'll probably see some of that, um, here soon. Uh, they're actually out training right now. I'm, I trained the O5s last week, I think it was, um, because I wanted, you know, that's O5. So uh, I think they're 16. 16 years old. That's right. So they're they're not far off from from the next jump, which is the, you know, the 17s and the 19s. Um, you know, Josh is an O5, for example, right? So the you're you're starting to really look at it and, and say, okay, you know, who have we identified? Who's got a real opportunity here? Um, and then making sure that as you start progressing to the 19s, which is the players that I'm really focused on uh, and have seen a ton of, it's who, who's going to come into preseason with jo- to join us, um, which there certainly will be plenty of, of these academy kids that uh, will have an opportunity in preseason early in the first phase um, to impress. Um, but again, I, ha- you know, I, I could tell you almost every one of those 19s names because it's important to me. Um, I now could probably tell you half of the of the, uh, of the O fives because they're training them for a couple of days. Um, so I can't say enough about it. I'm glad it excites you because me as well. 
Um, there's nothing more than I enjoy than coming out at 7.30 at night and watching the 19s, uh, especially in this offseason when you want to be around soccer, but you're not on the field every day. You stick around later and watch the over 30s play. I played in Scott, that one. some quality soccer. Played in that once, almost pulled a hamstring five minutes in and realized why I retired. So I, I did pull we're, a hamstring twice. Yeah, we're still going year. strong. <laughs> you can scout me, and I promise I'll go easy on the contract negotiations. <laughs> uh, you know what? I could use that right now, man. So I appreciate it. No, <laughs> I am a liability on the pitch. You should not sign me. I'm a better fan than I am player. <laughs> Oh, but um, uh, to, to uh, well, real we, quick, but to Josh Widener, I was um, I was really excited that he he got as many minutes in the uh, in, in the regular season I did. I think that's important for for a young player's uh, development, and it's and it's 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 a shame that Elijah got gotten hurt and pretty much knocked out his whole whole season. And what I mean, I think it was kind of speculative, but it kind of seemed like he was going to be a pretty regular feature of the team had it not been for the injury. Is that is that something you can confirm? Elijah? Yeah. Uh, I can tell you we were really impressed with how he finished the year last year. And we felt that if he came in and started preseason the way that we expected him to be able to, um, that, yeah, he was going to play a big a big role. It was terrible. You know, it would have been up to him, obviously, and how he performs right. in training day in and day out. But with regard to form and how he has developed, uh, he certainly was on track to, uh, to play games. Um, and it was – extremely unfortunate uh how the injury happened i'm extremely proud of the way he handled himself you got to remember as a young player um and he certainly left the season feeling really good about how he was playing meaning last year um you got to remember that mentally that is that is a very difficult thing to go through especially when you've never gone through it before so you combine where he was as you know where he finished the year last year his age and then how he was feeling about coming into this year to have a big injury like that, um, that's really difficult. And I was really proud of, of how he handled himself this year, staying integrated in the team. It's easy to feel isolated uh, when you get those kind of longer term injuries. Um, but we try to do a good job of making sure they don't feel that way, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's also up to the player to make sure that they're doing what they can to stay engaged. Um, and so, you know, I was really proud of, of how he got through this season um you know and he's now training you know he might be out on the actually he just got done in the gym I just saw him in the in the locker room but he's uh um we're you know we're looking forward to seeing how the injury um progresses yeah Uh, speaking of some of the youth on the team uh I guess you know we we're used to having players come in on loan for a season we've had that a couple times it was interesting this season um to be in a position to send a player out on a loan for a whole year. And so I, I, I've been keeping up with, with JT Kamara in league one this season. I thought he had a really incredible year for North Carolina. So do you want to talk a little bit about just him, the, the kind of player he is and, and sort of what, what the thinking uh, is for a team when we decide to, to loan out a player for a season and sort of, you know, what, what, what Louisville looks to get out of that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, so no JT, obviously very well. Um, to answer your first question of what you get out of him, he's a player that is extremely dynamic in the final third, has a very good left foot, really one-footed, but he has the ability to do some special things uh, with that foot. Um, I think tactically, defensively, 
is one of the biggest reasons we we chose to send him out on loan. He had a lot to learn and we gave him, if I remember correctly, pretty much all of preseason for the most part um, to try to grow and, and see if he could get there defensively with the different presses that we have and all those things. Uh, and it, it, it wasn't getting there. Um, and so when you run into a situation like that where you feel, okay, listen, he has talent, um, but he's probably not going to play, play many games this year. Um, and he is younger. Uh, it makes sense to send him out to, to try to go get games. Number one, number two, it makes sense to do so uh, with a club that you believe is going to treat the player the right way. That's most important for us. We're never looking to get a player, send a player on loan to a place that's crap. You know, that's not the idea, right? It's can the player go get minutes that he's not going to get here and only be instead of only training. Um, and then can you put him in an environment where they still have to win, right? In, instead of, you know, in an inner squad game or whatever it might be where there's nothing on the line for lack of a better word. Um, and so we hey, felt like game time. What's that? You can't replicate game time. Exactly. And so we were very confident he wasn't going to get that here. Uh, and so we ended up sending him to, to North Carolina in hopes for him to get good minutes, learn a little bit he, that he has to grow up from an off-the-field standpoint, right? He's not in this comfort zone anymore, um, which is it's, it's extremely difficult. I've done it as a player. Um, and, and then obviously monitor that and see how they, how they develop. So, you know, there was a lot of positives about, uh, sending him there for sure. Now, when, when you send a player out on loan or, or even get a player on loan, the, the, the original club, like, is there still a lot of constant communication between the club and the player and the club, um, that the player is going to like, or how does that work? You kind of just send them off and you just watch from a distance. Depends. It depends on what you feel is best for the player. If you feel the player is going to do, if you feel that the player will be better off to have to go and be out of sight, meaning out of sight and not have that communication mm -hmm. because you want them focused on that only and not worried about Louisville city. You can go about it that way. If it's a player that needs a little bit, you know, that, that, you know, from a human being standpoint, wants that feedback and wants that. The other thing you have to understand is, it's not at, at that point, what I'm seeing becomes irrelevant for the environment that he's in. What I'm seeing might not be what the manager from North Carolina is seeing. And if he wants to play, I'm not the one that he has to make happy or prove it to. It's that guy. Right. So there's this fine balance. You have to make sure that you're not, for lack of a better word, overstepping boundaries so that he can get out of it what we want him to get out of it. If he's not playing at North Carolina, then there are some teams that will go, listen, I want him back then in my environment. But that depends on the player and the situation, right? Yeah. It, it also might be, okay, well, why isn't he? What is he not doing in training, right? Because they still want to win games. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of moving. It's a really good question, but there's a lot of moving pieces with, with situations like that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's always some of these behind the scenes stuff. Like you just don't know what's going on. It's always really interesting to hear about. And it's yeah. a lot more, you know, it's always a lot more dynamic than you think. For sure. Um, so something I, I was curious about, um, I think there's, there's usually a, a big difference between how like a casual fan watching a game sees the game and then how like you or the players are more technically minded people see the games that what is what is one area where you 
you know, you, you think that um, you wish that casual fans would pay attention to that. You, you think maybe most regular people watching soccer, maybe don't see or don't notice. That's a really good question. One area that I'd wish the casual or that, that the fans would notice. I'm just trying to make sure I understand your question before I answer it. Can you we ask wanted, one more we time? want to know what we want to know what you see that we don't. How do I, how, how, are, how are you watching the game? Like, for example, like I once saw Alexia Lawless tweet and take it for what it is like that. There's probably an over-reliance on the actual like formation setups that we kind of read on paper. Like, like we, the fans probably overemphasize that. Well, that's okay. I mean, you, you, the, sometimes you get it wrong with what you're seeing with regard to, to what our, 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 how we line up, for example, or what it might be. But, you know, to me that, that becomes irrelevant. It's, it's uh, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing would probably be, I don't know. It's tough because I don't always know exactly what the fit, you know, I don't always know exactly what they're thinking. I don't see, you know, a ton of stuff. Like I don't see a ton of stuff. You know what I mean? I think it's a great question. I just don't want to fabricate an answer. I was just thinking it's probably been a long time since he's not been like super knowledgeable in the sport. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a while since he's been in our shoes <laughs> oh no 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 that is not what i meant. I, I think I, when you look at so when i look at the data and things like that right i think it i do think it is a tool as i've said but i i walked away i think it's pretty clear this year we conceded too many goals close to halftime and too many goals towards the end of the game, even in games where we didn't lose, for example, San Diego, or we didn't drop points. Um, but when you look at, I, I think, so I can understand that that criticism is completely fair and completely right. You know, it happened mm-hmm. way too many times. But when I look at the fact that over 30, was it five games or 34, whatever it was, um, you know, didn't lose any game by multiple goals, I think we'd all would agree we were in at almost every single game. Some of the games that we lost, um, you know, we were, we were <laughs> think Atlanta in Atlanta, right? I mean, that game where you had 40 shots and they had, you know, and you, you end up losing that game, right? I think when you look at it, I have to look at it holistically where I go, okay, well, where do we need to be better? But I also, when I reflect, have to go, okay, well, where did we improve? Where were we a good team this year? We scored a lot of goals, in in some uh, against some teams that are difficult to play against when you do it four times when you have to do it four times um and so you know that doesn't really answer your your question um but i'm just trying to give you a little bit of feedback of kind of the way that i think about it oh, it's, that that atlanta in atlanta game i feel like for for as long as i've been following the team we're, we are always good for at least one of those a year from Louisville city because i think Historically, we've been a team that creates a lot of chances and doesn't give up a lot. And and just <laughs> there's always one game where we get like 40 shots and no goals. Yeah. Think about uh, was it India at home? I, it might have been the first time. I don't know if it's the first or second but where we concede the they they had 
I think two shots uh, on goal, both for penalties. Yeah. And all the shots, you know. Jordan Hamilton. Actually, this would probably be one to answer your question. I walked away really, really impressed from the group this year mm-hmm. that we conceded the least amount of shots in the league against. And that's not shots on goal. That's shots, period. Yeah. That, to me, is a sign of a high-pressing team that wants the team further, as far away from goal as possible. Where we did concede chances, which is an area we look to improve, uh, was in transition. Um, and where we'd have the ball, we'd turn the ball over in a bad area, and then it'd go the other way. So I remember, you know, I don't know, maybe three, four months ago, you know, the, there were questions in the press about, you know, well, you're conceding, you know, a lot of goals. What can you do to, to fix, you know, fix that? And my answer was take care of the ball because it's happening when we have the ball. Um, and so, you know, that's one thing that I walk away from the, the season when you look at the whole season as a whole and go, okay, well, that team conceded the least amount of shots against that. There's something to take from that. That's, yeah. that's positive. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say <laughs> just to, with my own question, I do think in general from fans, I think there's a, there's a lot of focus on, on finishing and, you know, what, what percentage of shots we make. And probably I think people don't focus enough on, you know, not looking at finishing, but like, are we creating good chances? Are we uh, not giving up good chances? I, I think like we had, um, oh, who was it? That that SK SK that SKC game near the end of the season where I think they hit three inc- incredible out out of the box pretty deep shots that were just top right corner nothing yeah, yeah nothing Chris could do about it and you know I think you know as a team you can you can focus on not giving up a shot from a good spot but like once it once it leaves the opposing player's foot, you can't do anything about where it's placed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think, listen, for me, like the expectations here, like I understand it, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a, any issue with, with uh, criticism. I don't have any issue with, um, you know, people being frustrated that we lose or or anything like that. It, It comes with it. Right. I've been dealing with it as a player and a coach for a very, very long time now. I think, as a coach, when you look at those chances that you're talking about and you go, and that's where you start looking at data and you're going, okay, well, one out of a hundred times that goes in. So if we are conceding that shot uh, and not five inside the box, you're not saying, okay, no problem. But you're saying if that's the tough shot that they're going to make, well, uh, that's going to happen one out of a hundred times, you know? And so I think that's where you learn using the data and you use it as a tool. Um, and then, you know, with regard to, to fans like that, you know, that's going to happen. And I have no, like I said, I'm, I'm someone who I'm harder on myself than any of you guys could be, or any fan could be that can promise you that. So, you know, and I also understand we want to win every game. Like the fans want us to win every game. They spend their money to come watch a product on the field that they could be proud of. So when you almost lose to Kansas city in the fashion that we did, yeah, you're going to be disappointed, but I know everybody will never forget that game because I won't, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That one, yeah, that, that turned around real quick. Uh, yeah. That was one I could not attend and I was very salty that I missed that in person. <laughs> oh man. 
But um, wow. you, you seem to have done your homework because you're talking to two uh, two big data nerds here, and that we've we've really kind of closely followed uh, followed the team's progress on that front for uh, for the whole season. And and again, like the team did well, but if you really look at the numbers, you can see they did really well this season. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to to see what you'll be able to do in uh, in year two especially since you're retaining a lot of key pieces of the squad. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So um, now we'll, we'll, we'll drift into a few other just kind of miscellaneous personal questions and we'll, uh, then we'll give you a little bit of your day back. Sound good? Yeah. yeah. All right. No First off, um, there's some speculation, some talk about a potential move to a European calendar, the uh, more traditional uh what you want to say like august to like may or, or whatever more the winter time orientation what are your uh, your thoughts on that uh honestly my thoughts are it's out of my control and whenever my club and and the league tells me i need to be here is when i'm going to be here so i i, I work year-round anyway so it's just a matter of i really don't you know i'm not i don't lean one way or the other i think you know i've said it numerous times um I love what I do. I'll do it in the cold freezing or I'll do it in the hot 105 degree weather in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, yeah, I guess uh, we don't want to set you up to get fined by Jake Edwards. So take <laughs> yeah. <it>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um, you did, uh, you mentioned scouting in Norway earlier. I wanted to mention, I was, I was looking back at, at your playing career and noticed you spent some time, on loan there what what was what was that like speaking of playing in the cold I'm sure Um, I'm sure Norway is brisk yeah that was in the arctic circle literally um yeah it was amazing one of the best years I think from a let's just say from a experience standpoint um I was playing for the Philadelphia Union under contract that year the year before I I had felt I had a pretty good year um and a team from Norway who's now at the top of the, the league actually there called Buddha Glimt, um, you know, made a call to our sporting director at the time and they wanted to bring me on loan. Uh, I was happy in Philadelphia, um, but I, I had been in the league, I think at that point, maybe five years, I think four or five years, maybe. Uh, and I felt that it was a, a good opportunity to try something new. Uh, and, you know, you go to Europe and you have a team that wants you, all it takes is one good year and you never know. Now, unfortunately, I had injured my hamstring in the last game that I played for the Philadelphia Union in preseason. So I went over there a little bit trying to recover and and rehab. Um, I think my first game back with Buddha, um, I scored a goal and then I tweaked it again. So that year was very much uh, off on the field, sorry, really difficult mentally, um, actually and off the field, to be fair. But I, I do not regret it. It was an unbelievable experience. You know, the first four games, I was out, I think, the first four, if I remember correctly. And I think we lost all four. So we were in a relegation. You know, those are feelings that I'd never had being in Major League Soccer, you know, the entire time. So great experience, um, but uh, certainly not one that I'll, I'll ever forget. But I'll tell you this. I lived where the sun didn't go down for a whole day and I lived where it didn't come up for the whole day. And that was really new. Holy smokes. <laughs> Tell you what. Oh man. I'm complaining about it going down at five. 
Oh my God. Yeah. I complain a lot about that. I can't imagine. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. Very cool. Um, so I, you know, despite you working in soccer all day for long hours, I'm sure that even in your free time, you still find a, uh, find a little opportunity to watch other, uh, other leagues around the world. What teams do you, what teams are you following? Who are your favorites? It's we know we will a given, I, but as I've, as I've, as I've obviously, you know, uh, been coaching, I've changed the way that I watch the game a lot different now uh, than I did when I was playing. Um, and this will be a given and everybody will say, but when you think about when I watch Tuchel's teams play, it, it's so much fun to watch tactically, how sharp they are, how clean they are. Um, so I, I'm really enjoying watching Chelsea at the moment um, because of their, their manager. Um I really enjoy the fluidity that uh, Pep's teams play with. So Man City, I very much watch the Prem. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Prem. And, um, you know, so I would say Pep, Tuchel. Um, I'd like to watch more of the uh, Serie A, but I, I just don't have the time, to be fair, to, to watch all of them. Um, but but uh, And then obviously Klopp's teams, the way that they press um, – and again, I'm not just talking about Liverpool where he's at, where he is now. I'm talking about his teams historically when he's at Dortmund. Like just, it's, it's phenomenal. So those would be the three managers that I, I genuinely enjoy watching their teams play. And they all play very different, not very differently, but they all have different, obviously, principles and philosophies. And so it's interesting when you look at it from a coaching standpoint and look at it from that view, um, you know, recognizing those different nuances is I, I enjoy awesome um who who's i mean who's direct like who have you worked with that's directly influenced how you you coach and your tactical philosophies like are there previous uh managers that you you played under that have left a mark or um obviously hack um dom kinnear uh from houston um and i would say learned a lot from him from a, a management standpoint um i still talk to him uh, um, Jim Curtin uh, certainly brought a, a different perspective in, in Philly as well um, and then Mark Dos Santos who was in Vancouver yeah. he's not there anymore uh, he's a manager I have a lot of respect for from a tactical standpoint it was really I really enjoyed playing for him and learning under him from a tactical um, standpoint it's disappointing it didn't work out for him in Vancouver. I think there was a lot of a lot of hopes up there. I don't yeah, remember I if they gave him enough time or not. Yeah, I was bummed for him. It was, I mean, listen, what did he play? 75% of the season in Salt Lake? That's not easy. Yeah, I knew those Canada teams struggled hard. I follow Toronto, so I'm pretty well versed in their their pains and their trials and tribulations there. But so yeah. is what it is. Zach, you got any more questions? I think we have run through everything I had on my notes. Look at you, Coach Cruz. You're a free man. You survived. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you, you you taking your time again, especially so late. Uh, that we we really appreciate everything that you've done for the team, the fans. You've you've always been very very open, honest, and again, I'm very excited to have you as our our manager, and, and very eager to see year two uh, take place. Can't wait for it. Well, thanks, guys. As always, I appreciate your support, and we'll look forward to hopefully seeing you soon, yeah? Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
We'll be Thanks, there. Man. Hey, you got you guys got to hope and uh, um, host some uh, preseason matches that fans can attend. That one Pittsburgh one was good, but we want them all. I'll take see what our, I can. Take our money. I'll see what I can <laughs> do for you. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, All thank right, you, guys. Coach. We appreciate yeah. it. See you. Thanks. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Danny Cruz joining us in. So uh, very, very glad to have him on there. We're going to have a lot more pods still down the pipeline. Zach, I feel like we're we're busier now than we than we were during the regular season. I know you've you've blocked out my whole week with. <laughs> podcast recordings i know i'm like oh good it's gonna slow down and then i just yeah i got really aggressive with it so we got a lot of cool uh cool content coming down there i'm really excited about it but this is a neat opportunity like where we get to do stuff outside of just talk about matches getting a link up with with people like this and and others as you guys will hear soon so so lots uh, of fun stuff coming for you this off season and absolutely should be able to consistently keep in touch so Zach, do you have any more, uh, any more uh, fun tidbits for the uh, for the fans listening out there? Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it. There was a second mock draft for the NBA, NBA, NWSL that I got to participate in. I did on, not realize you did dossier. that. I missed that. Um, I'm gonna have to look that one up then. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we did we did one because because we did them both before the coin flip. We did one with uh angel city having the first pick and one with san diego having the first pick so that sort of changed things in the first round for louisville um so and then the actual draft coming up 18th i uh, believe yeah we gotta have a coach for that (laughs) it's another subject (laughs) but hey just trust trust the process We'll get into that on the next episode yeah yeah hopefully everything will pan out so the only thing i have to plug is that if you, my dear listener, have not already seen on my website, vamosmaros.com, I held a player of the year poll and the fans have selected Mr. Brian Ownby. And part of this player of the year poll is, is that that player gets to choose the charity that I'm going to help support. And he chose the home of the innocents. So right now I'm raising money for the home of the innocents. Um, if you donate and then email me the receipt for every $5 that you donate, you'll get a shot and an exclusive signed bourbon bottle from, from Louisville city. It's a four roses bottle branded with the, the old crest, the well, technically second one, but the one that everybody's familiar with. Um, it's signed by, uh, by coach Cruz, John Hacker signed it, Scott Budnick, the goalkeeper coach. So it's a pretty exclusive item. They had him sold in the team shop for a very short period of time. There's only limited selection. I happen to have one that I'm willing to part with for a good cause. So you donate money to this good cause and you have a chance of winning it. So please make sure you go check that out at vamosmaratos.com. And I have heard that that Ombi is very excited to be raising money for Home of the Innocents. So everybody should donate and make Brian happy. Yes, please make him happy. I know there's a lot of good in our in our purple family and I like to help try to bring that out. So you still got time. I think what I said to like the 17th or something. Probably should know it. I wrote it. Still yeah, got about a week right. and a half. Yeah, you got a week. You got plenty of time. So, all right. I think that about does it. Thank you all as usual for, for tuning in. Thank you state of Louisville for hosting this wonderful podcast. Um, I'm Benton Newman. You can find me on Twitter at purple SDF. I'm Zach. You can find me at Zach W. Allen. Take care, everybody. Vamos Morados. Bye, y'all.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.